What's up, ladies and gentlemen? My name is Joshua T. Berglund, and this is a conversation with Joshua T. Berglund. We are on the Live Mana Network. Thank you so much for being here. You can, of course, scan that barcode right there and find all of the links to our app on Apple TV, Roku, Amazon Fire, the podcast network, find links to our book or movie, uh, and also our foundation. Uh, we are a nonprofit media organization that serves and only serves. Uh, and we are obviously grateful for your partnerships and your support because that's what fuels us and it helps us keep going. But we are here to serve. Um, and of course, it's a lot different because I don't know too many media organizations that just flat out serve and give away their resources and teach and train. And the reason why is because we know that media is the most powerful medium in the world. And we want to take the power back from the clowns and the bad guys, the guys that have suppressed the truth guys and girls or reptilians, whatever. Either way, the fact is that uh, media has been taken over and has been a weapon against the people. And we want to be a part of the movement that takes it back. And how do we do that? Well, the very people that we're fighting for, the very people that we believe in, the very people, the meek that are going to take over this world are going to do it with media. They're going to do it with their voice. They're going to do it with their truth. And and, and that's how it's going to be. And we want to play a role in that. So your support obviously helps us do that. But more than anything, we are grateful that you're here. Um, today is special for me. And here's why. Uh, I was very, very blessed several months ago to be a part of an interview uh, with Mr. Randy Fowler, who's known as Kevin Spacey's brother. But the fact is this, I know him as Randy Fowler. Uh, I love Mr. Fowler. Um, and if you saw the last broadcast, the time that we were on a screen together, uh, a lot of people bailed on the interview uh, before because they saw me relentlessly going crazy about forgiveness. But not everybody saw the whole thing. And, and while I'm very passionate about this subject, the fact is so many people thought I was hating on Randy, thought I didn't love Randy, and none of that was true. I love Randy, and I love the fact that he is so strong in his convictions and his beliefs. And you know what? I have more respect for that than people that go around talking about forgiveness and then acting like a bunch of a-holes and being mean to each other and judging each other. I'd rather somebody stand up for their conventions. If you're going to worship the devil and you believe in what you're doing, then you know what? Fight for that right. Who am I to stop you? I am all about supporting people in their truth. And look, and even if the beliefs are different than mine, that doesn't mean that I don't love you or like you or respect you. Because the fact is, anyone that knows me, anyone that's close to me, knows that all of the people close to me think differently than I do. Yeah, I'm that weird guy. Like, I love people's different point of view. Why I interviewed a witch? Why I've interviewed people that were noetic scientists and and, and, and and I mean, I've had porn stars and prostitutes. I'm going to talk to anybody and everybody in a conversation with Joshua T. Berglund in the bio of the show says that because I want to get to know different points of view. I don't belong in an echo chamber. And frankly, so many people have gotten comfortable in an echo chamber that they think that their truth is the only way. And it doesn't really work that way because frankly, we know way less than we know. So anyway, with all that said, I'm so excited to have Randy here. Um, we're going to talk about his book, A Moment in Time, Living in the Shadows. 
Um, and look, frankly, the book in itself is powerful. The stories are powerful. And some of you have already heard a lot about the book, but we're just going to have a very personal conversation uh, because I love Randy. I love what he's up to. And he's a uber talented guy. Like he's a very talented guy. And, and there's no reason why. And it sucks that, you know, I think it could be considered that he's lived, lived in the shadows of his brother and so forth. And of course, his book is Living in the Shadows. But the fact is, he's his own guy. And he's taking on a fight that's a tough fight. And he's sharing a very uncomfortable truth. And we need those truths because the fact is, without truth, we're never going to heal. Whether that's a personal truth or the truth that's been hidden from us for a lifetime, we're never going to really heal as people until we know that truth. So I'm so excited to have Randy back. It's going to be an amazing conversation. Thank you so much for being here. Um, we'll be right back after these messages. My name is Joshua T. Berglund, and this is A Conversation with Joshua T. Berglund. Thank you for being here. Um, I So it's interesting, too. The last time that I – and I, for whatever reason, I, I've talked about some very bold subjects. I've, I've shared my personal life in detail in the book, The Devil Inside Me. Like I don't have secrets. I admit my sin publicly because, well, that's what God told me to do, and because God told me I'm not, I don't get the luxury of having secrets, and I've I've honored that fact. And um, but I haven't. It's amazing. Like for all the different people and the different subjects we've talking about, I've never had a lot of direct hate until I interviewed or I was a part of an interview with Randy, and then the hate kind of went away for a while. <laughs> until this week, 
And this week has been amazing. So I want to welcome all the new people that are looking to attack me. I, I want to say thank you for this because I know what this means. Because you see, I believe in what God says. And I believe that um, anytime that you get hate, you're doing something right. And I want to welcome you because regardless of what you say about me, just know that I've said worse about myself and there's really not an attack that I've never heard. Um, so thank you for being here because regardless of hate or love, uh, it means a lot because you're supporting what we're doing. So thank you. And I hope that you understand I mean that sincerely and not as a smart aleck or a narcissist or anything like that. Um, I'm not perfect. I'm a flawed man. But you know what? I'm going to keep being me and I'm going to keep celebrating uh, the life that I get to live because of God's grace. So anyway, with that said, I am so excited and um, this is going to be really, I, this is going to be special because again, I have so much love for Randy and so much respect for him. And I'm really excited to get to have this conversation uh, with just him and I this time. So ladies and gentlemen, please welcome a uh, very, very special human being, Mr. Randy Fowler. Hello, Mr. Fowler. How are you, sir? Good morning, and thank you for the flattering introduction. Appreciate well, it. Well, I, I mean it sincerely, and I, I I know things were a little crazy when we spoke last time, but <laughs> that did not change my love and respect for you. And um, and I'm but I'm honored that you are back here. So welcome. So I, I accept everybody. Everybody's going to have their own opinion about something. And many people use different words and phrases that other people might have problems with. But um, as you said, the truth is the truth. Mm -hmm. That's very true. And, you know, and it's amazing, too, since that time, what you just said is really rung true because... We interpret things the way we interpret them, and and so whether and we don't factor in intent, but interpretation is a or, or our perception is a very powerful thing, and so those words speak to my heart because I can understand how easily it is to be misunderstood, even in, even when you mean your heart means something good, how it can be perceived as something different. So I, I I really like that. But before we get into all this, Randy, what are you grateful for today, and why? I'm grateful that I woke up um, every day. I'm I'm always so thankful that I have my health and um, I'm trying to do the good work for the people out there that are living in silence. And um, people's perception of me are going to be based on their own perception of life experiences they have received. Wow. So not everyone's going to understand where I'm coming from and, and why I speak out the way I do and why I'm a, since 2017 have been pretty hard on my brother um, <laughs> because of um, all these allegations against him. And, Personally, I don't think they're all cases of mistaken identity. Um, there's a pattern going on that um, reading interviews from his 
alleged victims, they, they send chills up my spine because they're so reminiscent of what it was like growing up with my father's abuse. And um, so it is quite disturbing for me to, um, to even have to bring up my brother, but he's at the core of the fight I'm in. Yeah. He yeah. actually represents everything I'm fighting against. And he's my own brother. And it, it breaks my heart that um, that I that that I have to do this, not for publicity, not for book sales, but to reach one more person to stop living in silence. Because until you can articulate the horror of your past, there is no healing. You just keep going around in circles, doing the same stupid stuff over and over again. That's exactly right. Ooh, got a little feedback. Um, I want to ask you, I and I really don't want to spend so much time on your brother because I'm really more interested about you, even though your brother is part of your story. Um, how the news came out, I guess, yesterday that official charges have been filed on him. How did that make you feel? Well, that's not exactly true. Here's oh. what happened. The Crown Prosecution Service has corrected an earlier statement to clarify that Kevin Spacey has not yet been charged with a various counts of sexual assault. Instead, the CPS has authorized the charges against Spacey, which in a spokesman said can only be enacted upon the actor's arrest in England or Wales. So Spacey can formally be charged upon arrest in England or Wales, but a CPS spokesman did not respond to the Washington Post request for a comment on whether the actor would be extradited. So basically what it means is that, from what I understand, as long as he doesn't go to England or Wales, there's not much they can do about it. And whether the United States government would have him extradited is a whole nother issue. Because I don't know how the criminal justice system works over in England. Right. I don't know if they're going to charge, you know, Kevin with four separate counts, or are they all going to be lumped into one trial? So uh, as long as my brother stays in the United States and doesn't go overseas, I, I guess he's okay. I, we've had a lot of different uh, various forms of abuse victims uh, come on the show, whether it's CPS, uh, you know, human trafficking. Uh, you know, we, we've heard quite a few stories from victims, a victim's point of view. And, you know, you're a victim yourself in a different way because of your father and then, you know, growing up with your brother. But it's it's interesting when you hear from the victims and you hear who's involved and you hear who's allowing it and then hearing you say what you just said, it almost makes me feel like nothing's ever going to really be done about this because the bad guys keep getting away with it. And, and the only, only explanation I have for that is that we live in a very evil world and it's heartbreaking to me because 
it's almost like voices like yours and other victims are just being drowned out and the media is using its power to shut people down when they should be elevating your voice. Well, unfortunately, people like me don't make the network's money. And that's really what it's all about. It's about money and power and greed. And I'm a, I'm nobody. I'm just one person with, with a story about the dangers of living in silence. Okay, so the media is not gonna pay very much attention to me, okay? And it's only these platforms like yourself that give me a chance to talk to people just so I could just reach one more adult, one more child, one more teenager. If they're going through this, maybe my words might inspire them to be brave enough to speak up. So I'm just one lonely voice. Let me ask you, what has speaking out taught you? Until you could articulate what happened to you, something happens to you psychologically when you speak it. If you just think it, nothing really happens. It's not until you can talk about it to somebody you trust, a counselor, a therapist, a teacher, a parent, as long as you, you don't come from my situation where you've got two abusive parents, one, one in denial and one into self-gratification, regardless of the consequences that it might postpone on their children. So for me, I remained silent from 1963 till 1995. It wasn't until I met Trish that I decided to tell her. None of my three ex-wives knew what happened to me. I knew how to wear my pain well. I was very good at disguising what had happened to me. And when my book came out, people that I haven't heard from in years were just absolutely shocked because they said, we would have never thought anything like that had ever happened to you. You know, so it, it, it's important to be able to talk to somebody about it because that's when the healing process begins. That's when you're letting it all out. And um, the more you talk about it, the faster you're going to get healed. And when I told Trish, yes, she was shocked. But at least she knew what she was getting herself into. And I took an awful chance telling her, thinking, well, this relationship will probably only last a couple of years. And then she'll send me to the curb, <laughs> just like all my other women in my life. But she didn't. We just celebrated our 26th anniversary on February 3rd. So I'm I'm a happy guy because I finally met somebody who listened to me, who loved me, who accepted me for who I am and never judged me and gave me the time and the peace to do this book and being able to get it down on paper for other people. It's beautiful, man. I, let me ask you this. Um, I know my own battle 
I, I, I did a lot of evil things in my life, but the thing that I, I would say that the worst thing that I ever did was learn to lie. And because it, and it was interesting, you know, grow up, my mom is amazing. So this is not about my mom, but my, you know, you grow up and your parents talk to you about being honest. Like you need to tell the truth. You need to tell the truth. And, and then of course, when bad stuff starts happening at home, happening at home, it's, well, we don't, we don't talk about that. You need to keep that a secret. Don't tell anybody, you know? And, and so when you get that message, that's confusing. When you get it, the two conflicting messages from the same person, that's confusing. And then with the abusers, you know, don't say anything or bad things are going to happen to you. And so I learned how to lie out of necessity. And of course, I think little kids lie because they get scared anyway. But then when it's emphasized that something bad's going to happen to you if you tell the truth, that's a horrifying thing. So then I learned to keep secrets and then I learned to lie to cover the secrets. That tormented my soul. And I, I think about as I got older, how desperate I how desperate I was for someone to talk to someone, whether it was my struggles with sexuality, my my struggles with um, even drugs and my my craving for drugs. And and I, I wanted so desperately to tell somebody I found refuge in prostitutes and hookers and massage girls and and, and all of that. And so I think it I, I, my, I guess my point is that it was so torturous for me to keep these secrets that now I love living with none for you when you were growing up and keeping the secrets for so long. How was that for you internally when you know that you're hiding this from the world and, and it's keeping you or did you even realize that it was keeping you from having peace and joy? No, I had no idea. All I knew was, is I was growing up in an environment where I was terrified of both of my parents. The first time that I was raped by my father, I was screaming out for my mother. And she came up in the master bedroom door and it was locked and she was pounding on it going, what's going on in there? And my father had his arm up against my throat and said, don't say a word. And and then she just walked away just like that. And I realized at that moment in time that I was on my own and that my mother wasn't going to help me. My father wasn't going to help me because of his, his, his obsession with little boys and self-gratification. And so I grew up not trusting women, not trusting men, not trusting anyone. Okay, so I just kept it all in. Oof. And it, it really hindered me throughout my life uh, because it was, it was stopping me from being the person that I am today. And I was just a, a, an emotional wreck. You know, I spent 30 years as a professional drummer and got to hide behind my drum set. I didn't have to interact with anybody. The only people I had to deal with were the band members. Okay. I never went out in the audience and talked to people. I, I didn't have the capacity to, to, to speak to anybody. Um, except, you know, the, the few friends that I have, I, I could talk to them and we, you know, chit chat, but they didn't know my dark secrets. 
And, you know, I had three failed marriages because of it. Each one of those marriages could have lasted a lifetime if it hadn't been for me, you know, because I was so frightened. And this is the real crux of it. Abused children, anybody abused in any type of abuse are terrified of their perpetrators. Okay, they've got them living in such fear of the possible consequences of saying anything. And those consequences could actually be worse than the actual abuse. And that's the dichotomy that I lived in is is, oh, God, if I say anything, you know, then, you know, the uh, the abuse is going to get rougher. And, you know, and it got to a point where I started doing what they call acting out. And my parents sat me down and said, well, because we love you and you won't listen to us, we're going to ship you off to military school. So maybe you'll listen to somebody who doesn't love you. And I'm I'm thinking inside of myself, the reason why I'm acting out is because I'm being raped, okay, by your husband. And I just couldn't, I couldn't muster up the courage to say it because of how frightened and terrified I was of both of my parents. So, you know, at 14 years old, I'm, I'm shipped off to military school carrying around an M1 rifle with a bunch of other kids that have, have their own set of problems and probably the reason why they're there. So because my mother, as you said, she just swept everything under the carpet. I tried for 35 years to talk to my both my parents. My father laughed at me. My mother said, I don't want to talk about it. And that was the that was the script of our family. Okay. And I still never got any resolution from my father or my mother, you know, and that's something that I just have to live with, that I wasn't able to sit down as an adult and talk to both of my parents separately on. Why did you do this? Why did you do this to your son? You know, why would my father beat me at six years old? Because he's forcing me to read out loud and I make a mistake and he hits me over the face and the back and the arms with a writing crop. Okay. What my father didn't realize that what should have been the love of words and language became my worst detriment. I failed in high school. I don't even know how I graduated. I had such crappy grades. Okay. So I spent most of my life not reading anything. Every time I would pick up anything to read, it would just bring back those terrifying feelings when I was a young boy. And that was just one form of abuse. It wasn't until I went back to college to get my second degree in 2012 that I had to get over that phobia real fast. And I spent three years getting an associate science degree in education and graduated on the dean's list. And I actually beat that demon. I don't have any problem reading anymore. There is no more pain associated with what happened to me as a child. I finally was able to wash it from my soul. And that is my message with people about the power of speaking out. Okay. So my memories carry no pain. They're just, they're just part of my diary of life now. 
That's really powerful. I want to ask you about acting out because for me, I found comfort. Like for me, it was drugs and sex at one time because when I literally the very first time I did, uh, you know, ecstasy, I did meth and ketamine and all these other things and went to a, an orgy basically. <laughs> and I got addicted to that quickly because all of the nightmares literally turned to fantasies quick. And then I started recreating the situations over and over and over again. Like I, it was like I forced my brain to take that pain and turn it into pleasure. And I got addicted to it immediately. So my acting out was drugs and sex because that's one way that people deal with it or act out that have been molested and abused. But that's not always the case. For you, what was acting out, if you don't mind sharing? Um. Uh disobeying my parents, uh, arguing with them, uh, sneaking out of the house so I wouldn't have to be raped and just go down go down and hang out in a vacant lot. Um, but I also acted in. I also kept it all inside and it festered for, you know, over 30 years inside of me, just boiling and boiling. And I had, I had a, a temper and I was totally out of control because I didn't know who I was because there was like a shield blocking me from, you know, seeing the truth. And like I said, it wasn't until I told Trish that I started to see the light. And when I was laying out the timeline to my book, it took me 18 months to scan about 65,000 photographs, documents, diary pages, graphs, pie charts. I mean, I just kept, I was really OCD about documenting my life because I knew someday I would write a book. And when I started laying out the timeline, literally patterns started emerging on my life. And I came to the conclusion that almost every decision that I ever made until I was 40 was wrong because I based my feelings, my, excuse me, I based my, my decisions on, on my feelings and not the facts, which will inevitably all get you into trouble. And that's where I was. I just kept making all these stupid decisions because, well, it felt right at the time. That's why now my feelings just don't matter anymore. All that concerns me is the truth. OK, no matter how painful the truth is and until someone can face it and truly face it. OK, you're never going to be healed. You're never going to know the joys of what it's like to be happy. You're just going to live in this this doom and gloom, emotional trauma, you know, that I did for most of my life. That that's powerful because. Well, in, in emotional intelligence courses, one of the things that you hear often is F your feelings. Of course, they're saying the word. And it's true because your feelings lie. And your feelings also lead you to perceive things as something that you we can imagine in our head and create that may not be the truth. And, you know, so I, I try to remember that when I'm getting caught up in my feelings because I am a human being. And... 
you know, and like I try to do the right thing. I, I'm, I lead with my heart and sometimes that gets me in trouble and I'm an emotional guy and I'm a passionate guy. But as I've healed and gotten more mature, even since our last interview, um, man, God has taken us on a journey since we last spoke. Um, I, I've really, really learned to not let my emotions take over. And that's been a kind of a, a mind trip for me because I'm passionate and that was a gift for me. But it's also been the very thing that's, well, landed me in jail and other things, too, um, because passion can, you know, be, well, not always a good thing. So I love that you said that. And because it's a really great reminder to not get caught up in the moment, because a lot of times what we perceive to be bad, uh, it actually can end up being a blessing. And not to 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 say that you know abuse is bad, absolutely. But one of the gifts that can be from it, and I believe it's a gift from God, a gift from our Creator, that everything that bad bad that happens to us also gets to be a blessing. And what I love about what you're doing, not not, not for everyone though. What do you that, mean? That, that, that's the problem. Is is because. Just because something traumatic happens to you, like child abuse, being raped, whatever the circumstance is, unless you can talk about it, there is no blessing. You're just going to you're going to live in the darkness. Uh, to yes. use your uh, your words, you know, and being passionate about something, there's nothing wrong about that. But making a decision on your passionate for a subject based on your feelings is going to get you into trouble. Okay. Yes. So people need to make decisions based on the facts. You just, mm -hmm. you know, you just can't do something because it feels right. That's just, it's, it, that's just another form of insanity. You, yeah. Thank you for making my point though, that it get it gets to be, but you have to choose for it to be, you have to choose. Okay. This happened. And when you do talk about it and you share it and you go through your healing journey and you share your healing journey and you talk about it like you've done, that is a way that we get to use the bad things for good. Because one, there's no greater revenge on the enemy that attacks you than it not killing you, it not breaking you, it making you stronger, it you using it for good, you teaching other people with your pain how to heal and that your encouragement for people to speak out. That is, that's how you weaponize truth for good. And you've done yeah, I don't, I don't use the word, um, you know, uh, weaponize or you know, <laughs> trying to get back at somebody because that's not right either. Okay. If my words touch people, then they touch people. If they don't, they don't. But I'm not going to, I'm not after any revenge from my brother or my parents or anything like that. That's all over with, okay? I've been trying to reach out to my brother for years and then finding out that he wants nothing to do with me because I remind him of the past. Of course, I'm the keeper of the secrets and the truth. So he can't face me. He won't be my brother and be an adult and, and talk to me, even though I could possibly help him with this struggle he's going through. But never once has he ever apologized to anybody. It's always about him. 
okay? And not about what he did for 40 years that had been kept under the carpet forever. Yeah. The enemy that I speak of, though, uh, Randy, I want to make clear, and I think you know this about me, I don't look at a human on this earth as the enemy. The enemy that I'm speaking of is in the demonic spiritual realm. And that's that, again, is maybe where we differ in beliefs, but that's that's okay. But the enemy that I speak of is the spirit of evil that drives humans to do the things that do. Like myself, I've been possessed. I've had to be delivered from evil spirits. Um, And whether I was born with them or they happened from being molested and abused, whatever it may be, the fact is that I was a demon and I hurt a lot of people, but it was a spirit in me that did it. So the evil I speak of for me, from my perspective, is that. Because me taking up and going after anybody personally and attacking them and going after them, that is not going to serve anybody any good. And that is just as wrong. It's the spirit and the evil behind what's happening that I want to go after. And the revenge I speak of is against the spirits behind it, not, not the human being. Right. And there are people out there who do evil things because they like it. That's true. Because it's self-gratifying. Okay. And uh, there is a dark force surrounding this planet. Okay. Now, unfortunately for me, I have not received the gift of faith. Okay. And that's a quote from the Da Vinci Code. I thought that was a great line that Tom Hanks said because. For me, from my perspective, where was God when I was screaming out for help from my mother? Where where was God when I was being raped my entire childhood? Okay, so you have to understand that where I come from, um, I question all religions. I don't think anybody's got it right. And I don't even know if we're meant to know the real truth. I think that's one of the mysteries of of being a human uh, flesh and blood. I do believe that you cannot go through life hurting people without expecting what I call the karma gods to come down on you one day and say, okay, it's time to pay the piper. Okay. And un- unfortunately, I, I, a lot of people don't agree with me because I'm not uh, religious. I'm spiritual, but I still question everything, um, only because of my upbringing and where I came from. But I don't think anything less of you because you believe in God. Yeah. yeah. I, I love I, you, you know. Well, and I and I love you and it, with your beliefs too. And I you know, and I I understand what you mean. And I I think we I for a brief, a brief second spoke about this before the interview. It's I'm it it I'm trying not to let it hurt my heart that you know, I'm I'm doing 
the best I can. I'm doing what I'm led to do. And I have a relationship with the Lord and, and I, you know, and how I changed my life was accepting Jesus and it happened in a pretty wild, crazy way and all of those things. But I, it's the very people that share my faith are the ones that I, the only ones that I get direct hate from the emails, the, on, on all the different platforms one, like I'm seeing this and I see in their bio that lover of Jesus and, and, and talking about, talking about forgiveness, which is a popular subject with us. Um, <laughs> and, and I'm seeing all this and I'm going, you're acting just like the people that attack Jesus. Like what, what this, it's so confusing. And I also, in support of what you're saying too, I, I do believe that religion has it wrong. And I do believe that man corrupted the Bible and took out text and removed sentences and took out books of the Bible. There was a reason they did that. There's a truth that they're hiding from us. And this is why I open my platform and why I have friendships. My neighbors are Hindu. I love them to death. We talk all the time. I, I, I respect other belief systems. I love Jesus. That's me. But you know what? I respect other people's beliefs and I'm not going to judge them. My faith is my faith. It's a personal relationship with the creator, with God, with Jesus for me. I'm not, it's not up to me to, to tell you what to believe. If, if I reflect something that is attractive to you in the sense of spirituality or light, then I'm doing what I'm supposed to do. But if I'm a negative a-hole, how, how am I being the, uh, an example of my religion or my God that I serve? I'm not. So I, I understand where you're coming from. Yes, sir. 100%. Yeah. Um, victims like myself feel a lot the way I do about religion. Mm -hmm. Because where was God for them? And that's the first thing that runs through your young little mind. You know, where's God? You know, I've been brought up to think that God protects people. And these people grow up in, in an environment of hate and betrayal. And uh, they don't trust anybody, and especially uh, religion. And that's why I, I talk the way I do, because I'm trying to break through the people that um, will criticize me because I'm not religious. Right. But I'm just trying to speak the truth to to break through that that barrier that they don't understand God. They they don't understand how it all works. Okay. Mm -hmm. So I'm just trying to break through that barrier and show them here's one person that was able to to break that barrier just by talking to somebody about what happened to you. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. And if you become a follower of Jesus, and I am a follower of Jesus. I've read every single red ink in that Bible. <laughs> and if the planet did half of what the red ink said, we'd be a lot better place. But we don't, okay? We have fake religious people, fake Christians, who are the first to cast the stone because it doesn't coincide with their own beliefs. Therefore, I must be wrong. And that, unfortunately, is 
part of the journey is to be able to swim through all the muck and all the nonsense and and bad uh, uh, you know comments. You know, I've done like seven interviews this year already, and one of the platforms had it has over thirty five thousand views. And the guy that did the interview said that usually he only gets ten or twelve thousand views, and there were probably I think there was three hundred forty five comments. And five of them were were negative toward me. So that say that I must be reaching the people with the way I tell my story and that the naysayers are so far in the minority, they're not even 1%. And I consider that to be pretty good odds for trying to reveal the truth to anybody who is going through any type of abuse. There's marital abuse, there's sexual abuse, there's physical abuse, there's emotional abuse, there's drug abuse. And a lot of people take drugs to hide the pain in order to self-medicate. And that was in your your case, okay? And what happens is that they become OCD over it because the more they take drugs or drink alcohol, the less they have to deal with the truth. And it's a vicious cycle. I spent my entire life not doing drugs. Yeah, I got high, smoked a little weed, big deal. Never did cocaine. I thought I'd like cocaine, so I avoided it. I've never done drugs and never done alcohol. I went through my pain and my redemption of myself straight. (laughs) It's not easy, okay? So a lot of people like the self-medication because... It, it puts you in a different frame of mind and hopefully you won't think about really what you should be concentrating on. That's why I continue to do interviews and I'm just, I'm shocked that people still want to hear from me. And, you know, unfortunately it's unavoidable to talk about my brother because of what he has been accused of. You know, and how how do you not talk about it? You know, he, he's right at in the middle of the pie of what it is I'm fighting against. Well, I personally think that you're doing God's work, <laughs> and uh, you know, and I think I, 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 I might be. I don't know. Well, yeah, and 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 I understand that, um, and I that's why I'm a big fan of you because. While you may, you have your beliefs and we're not where we don't necessarily see eye to eye about the path or whatever. We have a lot of similarities, but at the very core of what my faith is, is sharing the truth. That's the staple of my belief and my relationship with the Lord is about truth. And, and if I'm wrong about something I say, then you know what? I welcome to be corrected. And then I apologize for it. And then move forward and keep going because I don't have all the answers. I'm not going to be perfect. But where we align is that desire for truth because without the truth, whether it's our own truth or the truth that's been hidden from us, we're never going to heal as a world, as a planet, as a nation, as a country, as a state, as people. So you're to me, you are doing God's work, whatever name that you put on it. 
Um, and you're taking your the pain from the past and you're using it to help set people free. You are inspiring people to tell the truth, a very painful truth. No one on the planet wants to talk about that their their father molesting them. It's uncomfortable. It's uncomfortable just to t- say that your father abused you. And and you know, so what you're doing is powerful. And I and that's why I'm such an admirer of you, but that you're a cool guy. By the way, I saw a picture of your drum set. How <laughs> in the world do you learn how to play that many? That is amazing to me. There was like 5,000 different things that bang on. Like, how do you learn that? Well, I, at the age of 20, I had the honor of being accepted at the Murray Spivak Percussion Studio. And this teacher was uh, known in Hollywood as a sound editor. He won many Academy Awards for like the original King Kong and My Fair Lady and Hello, Dolly. And that was his day gig after he retired from drumming. And when he retired from the movie industry, he he took on a few students and there was a two year waiting list. And it was just by coincidence that I had just started working for Remo Drum Company, the company that makes the drum heads. And I called Murray up and told him I wanted to start studying with him. He says, well, you're going to have to wait two years. I'm like, eh. And I said, well, by the way, I work at Remo. And he was like, oh, really? So he accepted me um, as a student. And I studied with him from 76 to 1980. And um, he got me to be able to play drums. And the drum set that you see now is an exact duplicate of the kit that I played when I was touring. The only difference is, is that I sold all the drums, I kept the hardware and I replaced them all with electronic kits because I live in a condominium. So I've been playing this setup since 1980. Okay, 42 years, the drums and the cymbals, everything is exactly the same place. And I'm right now uh, rehearsing um, the entire Gino Benelli and Toto and Michael McDonald catalogs to update my YouTube channel. I haven't done a new recording in eight years, so I'm rehearsing all that stuff so I can, you know, re-record it. I retired in 2004. I realized that music had given me everything that it was going to give me. And my career was really interesting. The better I got as a player, the more I healed inside a little bit, even though I was silent, I was healing. And it was like a choo-choo train, little better drumming, little more healed. And this went on until 2004. And then at my last gig, it stopped. I stopped getting better. I stopped healing. I immediately retired. I called Trish up and said, I'm retiring. And she was like, well, it's about time. Okay, so music as a professional drummer had was had given me everything I was ever going to get from it. So I walked away. I didn't touch my drums for six years. And then I put together my electronic kit and I've been practicing ever since and doing recordings for clients. And uh, it's still my number one passion. You know, I still enjoy it. I play better now than when I was touring. Because when I was touring, 
all I did was play live shows. I never got a chance to sit down and practice. Not once. Okay, so it wasn't until 2010 where I actually could actually sit down and play something and learn it and count it out and figure out the fingering patterns. And uh, so I've gotten way better. You know, gee, I wish I would have practiced when I was younger. You know, my my career could have taken me in a totally different direction. But I did something that doesn't even exist anymore. I played six nights a week, 300 nights a year. Okay. Those gigs are gone. The big showrooms, you know, the, 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 the jazz clubs, just regular rock and roll clubs that had music, all the big hotels, they don't have that anymore. You know, so I got to live a life that uh, this generation knows nothing about, you know, and I'm very thankful that I was able to play with, you know, must have been two, 300 bands, you know, over the course of my career because I played for money. My teacher told me, Murray, if you're going to do this as a professional, do it for the dough, not the stardom. So that was the direction I pushed my drumming career in, was to do it for the money. I wasn't concerned about being a rock star. I wanted to make money, anything to keep me out of the cubicle, because I didn't read very well. So I didn't want to be in a job where I was going to have to read. So it was another way of running away from the truth of my past. So you can see how all of these abuses, how they all tied together and affected different aspects of my life. I was able to compartmentalize them. But in the end, it it almost destroyed me. You know, if I hadn't told Trish, I don't know where I would be today. Where did, did you ever play the whiskey? Uh, no, because those those gigs you do for free because you're trying to be a rock star. Oh, you know, really? I, I just didn't do those kind of gigs. I went where the money was, lounge gigs, shows, rock and roll clubs that were playing six nights a week, um, you know, and making good money, three, five hundred dollars a week. Back in the 80s, that was a lot of money. I mean, it's a lot of money now. Forget about inflation and just the cost of living. That was a lot of money. So I'm very happy that I was able to make a living at it, you know, and not have a day gig. What's the one thing that you've wanted to do that you have not done yet? Uh, I I guess the, the number one thing on my list is reconcile my differences with my brother and my sister. My sister lives in denial. She doesn't believe the allegations against Kevin are true. She thinks it's all about people wanting money. The fact that my brother won't have anything to do with me because I know the truth on who our parents really were and and, uh, what they did um, to, to, in my opinion, all three children. But it comes down to perception. I do believe that when I moved out of my house in 1975, that it's very possible that my brother was sexually abused by my father. But the perception for me was it destroyed me. The perceptions for my brother was it's very possible that he liked it and he didn't look at it as abuse. 
And going into acting gave him a vehicle to 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 lure his victims, uh, you know, into his his grasp. And he did it for 40 years and people hushed up people, paid them off, made them disappear. I mean, just, just there was just he kept this squeaky clean public life. And his personal life was off limits. At my mother's funeral, people came up to me after I had spoken and they said, we didn't even know Kevin had a brother. I was like, because I don't exist in his solar system. And I guess that's my number one. My goal is how do I how do I get back with my family if I continue to speak out against Kevin's behavior and and still try to emphasize my book you can see the dichotomy that i'm in okay my sister won't have anything to do with me because she doesn't like the idea that i had the courage to write a book so she won't talk to me anymore okay kevin is just running away from me i think he's afraid of me i could have sworn that he was going to sue me when my book got published and that's exactly what, what i wanted to happen because it just would have driven up book sales more people would have gotten my message but nothing, not a peep from them since my mother's funeral. You know, it's been what, from 2003? You know, 19 years, not a peep, not an email, not nothing, okay? So that is one of my regrets. And maybe someday Kevin will mature enough to realize that what I do, I do out of love for strangers. I don't talk to Kevin Spacey fans. I could care less about them. They're not the people I'm trying to reach, okay? I'm trying to reach the, the quiet ones, the lonely ones, the frightened ones, the ones that are afraid to talk. Those are my people, okay? And unfortunately, Kevin is tied to the hip with me, and there's nothing I can do about that. He's my real brother, okay? can't even imagine. Randy, I'm, um, I'm really grateful for you. I'm grateful for your courage. I'm grateful for, you know, you also, you know, coming back and having this conversation again with me. And um, I just, I, I'm, I'm a fan of you and I'm rooting for you. And I'm, you know, rooting for people to hear your truth because I know it's going to help. Um, at, you know, look, we all, have our own path to walk and and while and we in like you're doing what you feel led to do and i believe what you're doing is the right thing to do and the people that you're helping you're helping more people than you'll ever know and and i and i love that i love that you have the courage to do it and you don't and look and this is going to probably upset some people i don't believe that you have to attach jesus to everything for it to help it's like, so for the religious boobs out there that are going to criticize this statement, you can't throw the Bible at everybody. That's not going to solve everything. You have to meet people. But, but where nobody's, living, nobody's living by the Bible. Exactly. Okay. okay. <laughs> it's true. They, they, they believe in, in the great flood and Noah's Ark. But what happened to re about reading the red parts of the Bible? Nobody seems it's totally ignored. So. 
this is why I don't bring up religion when I when I do interviews is because it's a real trigger point for people. Okay. Yes, and the last thing that I want to do is turn off somebody because I'm from their perspective preaching. And the last thing they need preach, they don't need preaching. They need love and they yeah. need understanding and they need the truth. Okay. So by removing the religion aspect out of my conversations, I have found to reach more people. You and I got a heated argument the last time because I used the word acceptance of the truth as opposed to forgiveness. Because I believe religion has used that word and weaponized it. That's okay. And for me, people may not like the fact that do you think I'm going to forgive my parents for what they did to me? No, I'm going to accept what they did to me and understand and dwell into their past to, to fully understand why they were the people they did and why they did what they did to me. Yeah. And once I knew that truth, I was set free. And whether it was God working through me or it was just my own way of dealing with my past and not bringing religion into it because I don't want to upset anybody over religion because people that are abused have their doubts about religion anyway. And yeah, I, I agree with that's that. not I, where I, I'm myself, You're right, man. Um, Randy, yeah. please tell everybody where they can buy your book, how they can support you and follow your journey. Uh, my book's available on Amazon Kindle, and there's a colored electronic version with 778 photos laid out through the manuscript. It's like my photographic evidence that goes with my story. And then there's a, a paperback version in black and white also available on Kindle and Amazon. And I can't be more happy as George Carlin would say, uh, about the success of the book because of the people that I've reached and the emails and letters that I've gotten from people thanking me for my brutal honesty and telling all of the truth and not just some of it so that it would enhance my persona. I'm not interested in enhancing my persona. I'm interested in scaring the hell out of people on how dangerous not talking about your abuse has to your life. And for me, as I said, every decision I made was wrong, all because I couldn't talk. And that's what my story is about, about all these stupid decisions that I made because of my feelings and never once looking at the facts and the truth. So uh, I, I appreciate the book sales I didn't write the book for money. I wrote the book to help one person at a time. And that's exactly what I've done. Platforms like yours allow me to reach a lot more people in one setting, you know, and I'm very thankful that that you, you know, wanted to talk with me today. I'm very humbled by the experience of being able to uh, just freely answer any question that you've had today 
Uh, well, like I said, and um, our stories are, they mirror each other, you know, enough that I relate. I mean, the, the why behind your book, the why, the, the way that you wrote it, the way you did, same reason I did the same for myself. And I found freedom in that truth too, because now I don't really worry about what's said about me because I said it all. I exposed it all. And there's a freedom in that because yeah. truth is truth does that. And that's what you, you're, you're a walking example of that as well. I'm blessed. Uh, a lot of people, in order to not deal with the truth, they, they get self-absorbed within their self. Hmm. Like I did. I was self-absorbed in my music career. My wives didn't matter shit to me. All that mattered was my music career. It puts blinders on you when you, when you try to, do stuff so you don't have to, to deal with the tragedy of your life. And that's what I did until I was 40 years old. So I'm, I'm hoping that my words have touched a few people today and that the, that there is hope, there is healing, and there is peace. And that's the one thing that I have in my life is that I have peace about my past. I have accepted who my brother is, who my sister is, who my parents were. I completely understand where they came from. And I can look at it with a clean heart going, okay, let's see if I can make sure that this doesn't happen to another child or another adult. A couple of years ago, I used to clean houses for old folks. And this one lady sat me down before I sat down, you know, before I was going to do her cleaning. And she goes, I want to tell you something. And she told me the story that she's been keeping in her heart for 65 years about how she was raped by her uncle. Okay. 65 years secret. And as soon as she told me her story, you know, I, I was in tears, but it changed her. Like overnight, you know, the next week when I came back, she was totally different. She was pleasant. She wasn't cranky like a typical 80-year-old, okay? And she was so much at peace just because I had sat down and talked with her about my story and that she saw how I was able to articulate the gory details of my past and then a few weeks later, she sat down and, and told me her story. Now, if an 80-year-old woman can do it, I bet a 14-year-old kid can do it. I bet an 18-year-old, a 23-year-old, a 40-year-old, a 50-year-old, all these people have the capacity within themselves, but they need the strength and the courage to speak up. That's all there is to it. You just need to talk about it to somebody you trust, you know, and that's that's where my message is all about. Speak up. Don't let the perpetrators win with your silence. Silence is the killer of souls. Yes. Yes. Perfect. 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 Uh, Randy, God bless you, man. Thank you for being here. Uh, you guys go out and buy his book. It's I buy the one with all the pictures in it. <laughs> so, um, I, are you doing any book signings or anything? What's that? Are you doing any book signings? 
Uh, I have a little part-time job here in town, and the owner of the store is letting me sell my paperback versions there. And so everybody, every time somebody buys one, I, I sign it for them. But both books have photos, the electronics in color, black and white, and the paperback. So the books are identical except for the, the color images. It was just too expensive to print a color book nobody's going to pay $56 for my book. I was just like, no, that's unacceptable. I'm not trying to make money off this book and bleed the public. So that's why they're priced as low as they can possibly be priced. That's awesome. Yeah. Well, thank you so much for being here. Uh, you are a gift to the world and I am blessed to know you, man. Thank you very much. I am. I was really honored to be a guest again and hopefully, uh, We'll talk again. Maybe next time we can talk about my music career because that's a whole world in itself. Um, a, apart from the child abuse, even though I was using my music career as a way of self-medicating myself from having to deal with the truth. So that's a, another, another type of story. Well, when you get your YouTube channel back up with all the new music... Yeah, let me know and then come back because I want to hear it. Yeah, it's I I was I've been nursing a elbow injury. It it happened about three months ago. I was rehearsing some Toto stuff, and I must have strained out the muscles. So I went to an orthopedic surgeon, and he said, "Okay, lay off, do these exercises, wear these braces." So I didn't touch my drums for ninety days, and I just started practicing again last week and just trying to build up my endurance again uh, so that I, I know these tunes really well so I can get through the five minutes without making mistakes. So it's going to be a couple more weeks of practicing, and then I'll start recording again. I, I'm looking forward to it because it really gives me peace to be able to play Toto and Gino Vanelli. That music is really hard and complicated, and it gives me such joy to be able to play that stuff. You know, <laughs> not too many, not too many bands are doing cover songs of Gino Benelli or Toto. You know, <laughs> well, I can't wait to hear it. Uh, you're a blessing to the world. Thank you for being here, and we will talk again. Thanks a lot. Appreciate it. Bye bye, yes, Joshua. Bye bye, Randy Fowler. Everybody, I freaking love that guy. I love him. And I'm trying to tell you guys the last time we talked, I loved him, even though I get really passionate about forgiveness. And you know what? Truthfully, yeah. I mean, I'm passionate about it, but it doesn't mean that I necessarily behave the right way. Um, there's a better way to disagree with people. I'm maturing. <laughs> I'm learning. I'm growing. I love it. And in the look, I, I go, I still contend he's doing God's work. And, um, there's a lot of people that don't, you know, aren't Christian and, 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 or, you know, put label what they're doing. They're doing God's work because simply just sharing the truth is doing God's work. The truth is needed. And, but I also believe in doing the truth and living your truth and, and being led by the spirit to, to do the things, the bold things, the scary things. You know, I believe that like God works in through you, whether you label it that way or not. And again, I tried doing things 
all the different ways because I didn't want to like the re, the thought of reading the Bible every day, the thought of going to church three times a week and doing all that stuff never sounded exciting to me and never religion, you know, and of course I'm not religious. I'm not a religious follower of Christ. I just follow Christ. And I, you know, and that's probably why most of the criticism is coming from Christians it, and it's disgusting. And I see why people are turned off of religion. And you know, he's right too. When you're being molested and abused, it's a very honest thing to say, where are you, God? There's Christians. There's people that have been walking with the Lord for 50 years that have moments, months, weeks, days, hours. that They're like, God, where are you? Why aren't you bailing me out of this situation? Why aren't you saving me? Why are you letting this evil happen to me? And not to step on anything Randy said. I, I said the same things. When I was cursing at God in jail my sixth time about why he wouldn't fix me and why he wouldn't change me, he told me why. And that's where the forgiveness, my passion for forgiveness is, is because of the word spoken to me. And the only way I was able to forgive, this sounds horrible, was to have compassion for the man that I hated. My father didn't sexually abuse me. He physically abused me. When Randy talked about hands around the throat saying, don't you say a word, that, oh, I felt that around my neck. As an abuser, when I became an abuser, that was my go-to move because it happened to me. That's where I learned it. It's amazing that hands have the power to heal. And they obviously can hurt. I, um, but also the reason why I love having people with different beliefs on any of the broadcasts that I do are because their message needs to be heard too. It's not to get people to stray because frankly, if somebody comes on a show and says, well, where was God for me when this happened? It, 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 like, oh, hold on, let me back that up. Um, I love having different beliefs and different perspectives because everybody's in a different place, even with their faith. Like even if you're a Christian or a believer, you're in a different place than the other believer next to you. That's why with Christians, it's supposed to be about the personal relationship. God is working on me, not you, through me. It, it's, it's a personal relationship, and I'm going through this journey, the walk. I'm, I'm my own cross to bear, my walk. This is a personal thing. And mind you, the personal part of it, is where I heal and then where I heal, I then get to help others heal with the truth that I learned through healing. This is Randy's truth. And there's nothing wrong with Randy's truth because it's his truth and where he's at. And again, even though we believe differently, I believe he's doing God's work. And I believe that anyone watching this right now, regardless of where your beliefs are and what your beliefs are, can take what Randy said and use it and let it impact your life, impact your heart, because it's impacted mine.
again, he's not religious. He's not a Christian. But different points of view help us learn more about us. And frankly, again, if hearing a difference of opinion or a different belief system alters your faith or you're offended by it, that means your faith is not as real as you think it is. It's not as real as you think it is. And the reason why you're upset is because it's challenging you and bringing up the very things that you question yourself. Because all we really are for each other is a mirror. We're a mirror. What we put out is what we're getting back. And I know that. And that's why I don't take offense to any criticism like true offense, like if I had to let it sit with me, it is still weird to hear it from people that share your faith, but nonetheless. Randy is a good man. I love Randy. I hope to meet him in person one day because truly, I think he's extraordinary and it takes extraordinary courage to do what he's doing. I'm not, I don't, I'm not related to anybody famous or anyone that's SEO friendly or anything like that. So it's one thing for me to share my truth. And even though we have a big platform and on our network and praise God for that, like he deals with a whole other thing because people love his brother. People look at his brother as a hero. Even, even today, because Kevin Spacey could walk through the mall right now. Even after what was on the news yesterday and the day before, he could walk through the mall right now and people would try to have sex with him. People would want his autograph. People would throw themselves at him. That is a fact. And that's the world that we live in. And we need more people like Randy sharing the truth. So God bless Randy. And uh, thank you guys for watching. We'll see you again next time.